podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise. For your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. K-State in the winning column. The boys are back here to talk to you about the 24-17 win over the TCU Horn Frogs. But before we do, real quick, you know them, you love them. MyBookie.ag. I don't know about you guys, but if I were to try to put a number on it, I would say that I have at least 10 times more fun watching a game that I have action on versus nothing. It could be a matchup I like or just a team I want to win. When I throw money on it, I have more fun watching. I do that over at mybookie.ag. Regardless of if you've been betting for years or you want to get into the game with football season going, basketball season tipping off, NHL, soccer, Major League Baseball, literally there hasn't been a better time to start gambling. So go over to mybookie.ag, promo code CHAIR for 100% deposit up to $1,000 Bonus. Remember, that's mybookie.ag, promo code chair. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, Grant, let's just jump right into it. I uh, We're doing this a little bit later. I know you've been battling the sickness and a busy Sunday schedule, so let's hop right into it. Uh, you know, before we talk about the specific positions or anything, let's talk a little bit general. There weren't a ton of big offensive plays but there were big plays on both sides of the ball when they were most needed. Um, macro level, what did you think about the Cats on big-time plays and big-time moments last night? Um, it was pleasing to see us um, in a, what I would see as a difficult position um, <clears throat> tied up in the fourth quarter, and you know what? We had 95 yards to go, and we made we made it happen. Um, I thought it was overall top to bottom a better called game from the coaching staff on both sides of the ball. Um, we still struggled offensively, but um, I think we made it difficult for them offensively as well. Um, our defense played fairly well aside from some dog shit tackling that we will talk about later. But um, feels good to be back in the win column. Three in a row would have been really bad. Three and three losses in a row would have felt really bad, which would have most likely turned into four losses in a row. So glad we could avoid that. I agree with you 100%. Uh, one thing a little bit concerning, eight penalties for 79 yards, uh, but that really is almost all in the first half because you only had one penalty for 10 yards in the second half. So that's definitely something that needs to get fixed and you need to get it fixed soon. TCU only had five yards or five penalties for 39 yards. TCU outgained K-State 366 to 266. TCU was 5 of 14 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth down. K-State was 4 for 13 on third down, 1 for 1 on fourth down. Usually when you hear those type of numbers, those type of stats, you don't come out on the winning column. I think when we talk about keys to V a little bit later, 
uh, special teams and field position really ended up maybe being the biggest difference when you're outgained by 100 yards and when you're giving them 40 more yards and penalty yardage. Uh, the fact that you had a, a short field and you were pinning them deep a handful of times, that really honestly ended up being the difference. Yeah, it's surprising. Being out game, only having 266 total yards of offense, you would think we would probably not be victorious. But, you know, like we talked about before – what the hell was that in the background? Um, before we talk – before we talked about that in the preview game, it was just going to be such a big field position battle and it it was it absolutely was and thank god we have sexy devin ankle definitely before we talk about the positions by positions when i talk to offense i want to get into your head when it was fourth and fourth and one uh late in the game uh case could have kicked a field goal to go up by three they decide to go for it first off tell me were you in favor of going for it on that fourth and one and then second what was your thought process when you saw the play uh, unravel? It was a naked bootleg where Skyler just, you know, J-hooked enough to get away from the defensive end and then ended up having to plow forward for the first down. So tell me, A, were you happy that we were going for it even though we were in Blake Lynch's range? And B, take me through your thought process on that play. I'm happy we went for it. Um, I think we needed to have – a t- I, we we wanted to feel comfortable with it have, with having a touchdown lead, and I completely agree with that uh, decision. Um, as far as the play call, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, um, it could have been disastrous, but it worked out. And typically, I'm a fourth and one, you sneak it every time kind of guy. But um, we've been burned many times on a bootleg, and it worked out for us. But it was close. What about you? Were you in favor? Uh, to be honest with you, I when it's that late and you can take the lead, especially because the defense had, for all intents and purposes, been playing pretty good outside of that one drive, I was thinking, all right, take the field goal, go up, and put your defense back on the field. Um, but we went for it, and I, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, I was excited at first because he was under center. And then when I saw the play fake, I like my heart went into my throat. It was very, uh, very scary. Like I, mean, I, he was I was eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, nearly about to be tackled. Yeah, and then he, he was able to elude the defensive end. And once he turned the corner in my head, that's kind of when I was like, all right, Skyler's a gamer. He's he's going to find a way to pick up that yardage. And then he ended up picking up two or three. Um, so I. I, I you know, it, it all worked out. I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback it too hard. I'm just happy uh, it turned out for the best. Um, I do have a question for you, though. Um, only getting 94 yards on the ro- on the ground, 266 total yards, and of those 266, 95 of them came on that final drive uh, going in for the touchdown. Um, A, do you think that is – and also losing time of possession. A, do you think – that something systematically needs to change so we can get to the point where uh, we, we aren't having to deal with that? Or do you think that, hey, you know, this is who we are for the season and that's going to be enough to find two more wins to go bowling? I don't know. I mean, it's a great question. I just – it must be, you know, just the level of competition maybe. You know, maybe the Big 12 is just a lot tougher than we thought, but – 
it's just amazing to see how much we are struggling running the football after, you know, seeing what we were capable of doing the first three games. Um, but it, it seems like we've kind of got, we've gotten away from that running back power game. Um, and I think it's for good reason because every time we've tried it since basically Oklahoma State, it's been stuffed right back down our throats. I mean, yesterday, we were in the shotgun 65% of our plays and ran spread 60% of our plays. So I don't know. Um, I think we kind of see now that this is what we've got and we're going to have to work with it. All right. We will dive right into talking about Skylar Thompson. We've already touched on a little bit. Uh, stat line, nothing that crazy. Uh, 11 for 23, 172. Uh, two touchdowns, no INTs. He was the leading rusher and wasn't even close. 68 yards rushing, 61 of those coming on that. The longest play of the season so far at that quarterback draw, which was a great call by Messingham. Uh, and then he ended up getting that go-ahead touchdown. Then we also talked about that, uh, you know, that fourth down play that was him on the uh, on the ground. Five of those rushing, quote-unquote, attempts that he had were either sacks or uh, running out the clock right at the end of the game. Uh, now they were saying this in the post game. Skylar Thompson is now six and three when quarterback in K State in one possession games, and in all six of those games, he either had a go ahead or a come from behind touchdown in the fourth quarter or overtime to win those games. Um, so much good in Skylar's games. Uh, had some great throws. He really made some big plays on the run. Put his body on the line on that fourth down, the naked bootleg. Um, so. I want to talk first about, from your perspective, what was it yesterday that Skyler did uh, to lead this team to a win? He's just a super tough dude. I mean, there are things that I that bothers me about him, but there's one thing you know is that he's always going to basically put his body on the line, and he's always going to basically give his absolute best um, in the situation. Um, but, God – who else would you rather have back there when it's when the game's on the line? I feel like he's he comes through time and time again for us. Um, ever since you know even his freshman year, he's just he's a stud. And coach said it, coach said it best. He is a gamer. He's absolutely a gamer. He's a super tough kid, and I appreciate him. Yeah, and I think that due to everything that's surrounded the last two and now three years of Skylar Thompson, just surrounding. The football team as a whole, I think, I think this is going to be lost. I think the like, I I really don't think that there's enough play that has had that Skylar Thompson has now led this team on six game-winning drives or overtime wins. And even in that overtime win versus Texas Tech, he had to go on a drive to just tie the game. I like, I I wonder how many quarterbacks in college football right now have six of those drives to their name and it's like we don't even talk about it yeah uh it's great and he's got a lot of games ahead of him um i wish he was surrounded by you know some more weapons that he could work with but he makes it i mean he finds a way is to to make it happen and credit to some of the guys around him yesterday that stepped up in big moments you know guys like javasson taylor had you know one catch we haven't seen him forever and he had one of the biggest catches of the game that set up that fourth and one. If you know, if he doesn't catch that, we're in trouble. So, I don't know. I I love Skyler. Um, I I love watching him grow, and I hope that he can just get better. 
I agree with you, and I think that is one thing that when it comes to the fourth quarter, if it's a close game, uh, having Skyler even in a game where the offense is a, just just stalling almost at every turn, uh, if, if it's tight, if, if you're down by possession or if it's tied, I have confidence that Skyler's going to find a way to, you know, get us to that W. I mean, six and three says, says you know, just about all you could want from a guy especially when you think about the weapons he's had over the last three years. So um, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the things that Skyler did leave to be desired yesterday. I, I think back to specifically that play with Wyking Gill, where it, he, if he puts a little bit more touch, if maybe he, you know, just steps into the pocket for maybe a split second more, uh, that's another touchdown. Uh, and that was on a third down play. Um, He's still, you know, probably taking a sack or he's taking a loss on a run when he could be getting rid of the ball. Um, I'm, I don't see it as much, but some people are still dead set on saying he locks into one receiver. I, I sometimes think it's hard to go through a full progression when you're not getting much time. Right. Uh, that's just me. What did you see yesterday in the game versus TCU that you kind of left a little bit more to be desired from Skyler? Um, kind of the same stuff that we, you know, continue to talk about with him. Um, he tends to hold on to the ball a little too long. Um, sometimes, and I didn't really see it yesterday, but he, he will leave the pocket very quickly. But yesterday I thought, you know, he was pretty good in that regard. Um, and aside from just missing open guys, he, he probably had three, three or four open guys that he that he basically overthrew yesterday obviously the one with Viking Gill that was the glaring miss where you know that could have been an 80 yard touchdown pass uh Gill had three yards on his guy you got to be able to you got to be able to hit him because and luckily you know that was a close game yesterday luckily that didn't bite us but in other closest close games down the line you have to be able you know you're a junior quarterback now Skyler, you got to be able to hit a guy that's wide open in stride running straight down the middle of the field. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you want to be considered, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in this conference, and if you want to take this team where you keep talking about you want to take us, you know, people need to take us seriously, you got to be able to hit those wide open plays. Now, that's, is that Nick Picky? Yes, probably. But, um, and then the other thing is him holding onto the ball a little too long and giving us negative plays for no reason when he should be throwing the ball away instead of taking a five yard you know loss. But um, other than that, that's I don't really have anything else. And that it, that just kind of falls in the same category that we kind of the same stuff that we continue to talk about with him. <clears throat> the one thing I will say, uh, and I agree, I, I want him to hit Gill on that. I don't think it was quite as black and white as you were saying there because by the time the ball was leaving his hand he wasn't a full three yard I mean he had a step or two and then the the safety was biting up so I think it kind of looked worse than when it was when he left the ball he does 100% have to make that throw but I don't think he really had three yard at least from my vantage point didn't look like he had the full three yards when he let the ball go. I'd have to watch it again. I, I was watching on TV. I got rid of my ticks yesterday. So it did seem like he had quite a bit of a step, but I could be misremembering. No, and again, I was on, I was in the stadium. I haven't rewatched it, so I'm sure you're – I'm sure they showed replays that uh, showed that. Uh, final question on Skyler before we move on. Um, so much has been made about Skyler. Uh, what, what is your personal confidence level 
in him being able to get us to two more wins, getting us to six wins, which I think everyone preseason and definitely going into last uh, yesterday's game would have said, hey, a bowl game would be a major victory for this season. Yeah, I agree. And right now I think I'd say we're ahead of schedule. I mean, would you agree? Being 4-2, and two, I think a lot of people probably would not have pegged us to be there at this point. So I feel like we are ahead of schedule. But my confidence in Skyler is high. Um, I don't know if I can say that for the rest of the roster, but Skyler has, I think that six and three record against, you know, one possession in one possession games is huge. That gives me a lot of confidence because that, that tells me that, you know, I think we're going to see that again this year. I think we're going to have several more close games and having a guy that has that under his belt is a big positive. And I, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in Skyler as a quarterback. So I hope we can get two more. Yeah. That win yesterday really gave me a lot of confidence that we can get two more wins and get to that bowl game, which I think would just be amazing. We are ahead of schedule from my pace that I had us predicted at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I think that there is a lot of good that you can point to. Uh, you can nitpick the bad as well, but uh, I like where we are six games into the climbing era and, uh, it, it sucks that uh, you're going into a game in Oklahoma that seems so improbable uh, coming off of that win. Uh, you just got to yeah. hope that the locker room is tight enough that they'll be able to, uh, if it goes as poorly as I'm currently anticipating, we'll talk more <laughs> about it midweek for the preview show, um, that there is enough confidence in there that they're going to be able to bounce back because – now that game in two weeks in Lawrence, Kansas is looking like it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big one. Uh, we'll talk more about that as the time comes. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Skyler, before we move on? I got nothing. All right, perfect. We will go into the offensive line. Another rough game for them. Gave up two sacks, six tackles for loss, uh, surrendered another five registered quarterback hurries. So on Skyler's twenty-three attempts. He was hit on over 30% of those attempts. They rushed the ball for 30. They rushed the ball 33 times, only got 94 yards. That's 2.8 yards per carry. Again, this is skewed a little bit by the sack numbers in college football and Skyler running out the clock towards the end of the game. Um, are you at the point where, hey, you're just expecting that this is, it is what it is from the offensive line? We're going to have to get creative and maybe even look towards the air. Uh, for us this season, if we're going to squeak squeak out enough wins to go bowling, it kind of seems like you know that's what we're doing. Um, I do feel, yeah, I I've pretty much lost confidence in the ability for us to run what we want to in the run game. Um, I don't know what the fix is for that. Do you just run plays that are quicker developing? Um, and like I said, we were sixty percent, sixty five percent out of the gun yesterday, sixty um, percent spread. So it does kind of seem like that's what we're doing, you know, what you mentioned. We um, are adapting a little bit, and I think that's what we're going to have to do because um, I don't – I just don't think we have the guys on our line this season. Uh, they're just getting exposed. They've been exposed since we started conference play. It's It's been tough for them. Yeah, it's very disappointing with how they started. Again, uh, I, above probably anyone else in the world, was championing Car- Connor Riley – Folks were talking about him, you know, leaving after one season, all this type of stuff. Again, I think not enough 
uh, has been talked about when it comes to the offensive line, the different type of athlete you need in that position to run the offense that they want to. But at this point, you're halfway into the season. Uh, You have to make you, you have to adapt to the talent you have at this point. You know what you have. Uh, And then I think Messingham and Connor Riley and the rest of the offensive staff just needs to, uh, you know, basically say, damn the torpedoes and find a way to change the game plan to fit with what you currently have. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to get the square peg into the round hole this year. You just got to hope that the young guys taking practice reps next year will be able to give them more of what they want from the offensive line. Yeah, and it's it's tough. It's a shame because it puts, you know, it puts Skyler in a much more difficult position um, when we just have when the run game is just basically completely negated um, like that. It it we we have to change basically our entire strategy, and it does put Skyler in kind of a different position. So that just aids his detractors, which annoys the shit out of me, but. Um, you know, I thought we adapted well. I thought Messingham called a pretty damn good game yesterday and, you know, fit our personnel in the way that we needed to. So that was a positive. Um, running backs, let's talk about those fellas. Gilbert, 14 carries, 38 yards, a long of 11. He didn't fumble, but, um, not much production out of him. Trotter, three carries for seven yards, a long of four. Not much out of the running backs yesterday. Nope, and I kept looking for Joe Urban. He only got one snap yesterday, uh, not faring very well for our conversation about who's going to get more. Uh, was it snaps well, it's good for or you. carries? <laughs> well, yes, but I, I, I think I said that's carries. not what I wanted. Yeah, I know. Okay, so so it doesn't matter since Trotter only really had three, but I mean Trotter was out there quite a bit. The only time Joe Urban was out there was in a three back set, where it was almost like an inverted wishbone situation. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's tough to really uh, – honestly, the offensive line just was not giving enough push. They weren't opening enough holes. I can't make a definitive statement on Joe Urban – or not Joe Urban, uh, Mr. Gilbert uh, yesterday or Trotter. Uh, they just – I mean, they just didn't really have a chance. Exactly. I know on yeah. that uh, on that 11-yard run, Gilbert did make a really good cut, uh, which allowed him to get to that second level. Uh, so you like to see them when they get the opportunity, they make the correct cuts and they make, uh, you know, the the most of their given opportunities. Granted, TCU number one rush defense in the Big 12, but we've been saying, you know, for three weeks talking about how, you know, versus Oklahoma State, we were saying, oh, well, that's the best yeah. pass defense we're going to see. And then with Baylor, we we're saying, oh, that might be one of the most well-rounded defenses we're going to play. Now TCU, we're saying, oh, that's the best rush defense we're going to play. When we play Oklahoma, you're going to say, if you look at the star ratings and future NFL draft picks, that's the most talented defense you're going to play. Eventually, you have to you know, stop coming up with excuses with why you can't run the ball and can't get offensive production, or you're just going to have to say, hey, every game we win is going to have to be on the back of Devin Ankdahl, uh, good defense, and having taking you know your shots when you get the opportunity. And I, I just don't think that's sustainable uh, to get even two wins, let alone you know hope for a seven-win season. Right. Well, now that you say that, next week we're probably going to run for 350 against the Sooners. It was nice, though. We got to see Jax back in the game and Barta. They both played. What did you notice from the fullbacks yesterday? 
Yeah, so uh, the biggest thing, I, I think Barta, I mean, he's out there, and you can see he knows where he's supposed to be, but when it comes to that point of attack, you can see the difference in, uh, I, I don't know if quality is the right word, maybe it's headspace, but when Jax is correctly in the right spot and when he lays a hit, he moves guys. Barta just kind of, at least in my opinion, kind of just gets in the way of someone. Um, so I, I guess I, but but again, I'll, I'll openly say I'm biased. I love Jackson. I do too. But so physical. But for him, he missed. There were like two times where he straight up just either whiffed or missed on a block that resulted in what could have been a four or five yard run that ended up being a tackle for loss or a stop right at the line of scrimmage. But in his defense, something that I noticed and then I saw it in a uh, shout out to John Kurtz Powercat game day. His video had a nice little uh, highlight package. You can find it on their Facebook page. But on Skyler's touchdown run, Jackson just cracks a dude and just leaves him just almost like it almost looked like the dude was about to like snap his back backwards with the force Jacks arrived on to set the edge for Skyler just to walk in for the game-winning touchdown. That's the type of fullback Jax can be. I mean, when he, like I said, when he arrives, he comes he, and he just pounds. So I'm hoping throughout the rest of this year, and then especially by next year, he's polished enough, understands his responsibilities enough to that he's out there anytime we're running with a true fullback, uh, you know, option or a full a fullback formation. Because right now it is like a 50-50. Yeah, we're talking about a true freshman too. I mean, let's. What do you? How good do you think Jackson could be as a fullback? We've had, you know, and we've had some pretty good fullbacks in the past, you know, decade. How how good do you think Jackson can be after three four years developing in this system? I think he truly could become one of the best fullbacks we've seen. Again, he's not going to have the touchdown numbers like Demel, and well, I don't think he's going to have yeah. the big plays like Gronk. But if you look back at some of these guys who are able to just murder you at the point of attack, I think Jax has that, you know, just violent desire that you want in like a linebacker or a fullback or a safety. Just one of those guys who just arrives and wants to hurt you. And that's (laughs) what he brings. I can't wait to watch it, you know, for another three and a half years. I couldn't agree more. Let's move on to the receivers and tight ends. We got to see... Our beautiful Malik Knowles in the second half um, did not expect him to play. He was warming up and then didn't didn't really come in much in the first half, but he came in when we needed him. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually think he played it all in the first half, uh, unless I missed it. Three I, catches. Yeah, I don't think he. I think he like lined up, but that's it. I, I think he might have been out there a little bit, but I'm not. I, yeah, I don't think he didn't do anything. <clears throat> Well, I think I thought Kleiman said in his press conference that he, the plan was always to play him in the second half. He got the three catches, 48 yards. I had that 33-yard catch, which was you know just a game-changing play. Um, here, here's my question for you: If injuries are going to be a battle for Malik rest of the season, do you want the strategy to be hey warm up pregame? Do what you need to in the first half so you're ready to go in the second half if he's truly going to be on a pitch count or he's going to be limited, or do you want him just to you know play a series here, a play there in the first and second half and spread it out throughout the entire 
game instead of just going all in on the second half? Uh, that's a good question because, um, I mean, I don't know how how much that really is going to um, aid in his recovery because you know you can take a hit, you can be out there one play and you can take a hit and it can set you back, you know, to the very beginning. But um, if it does, if it, you know, until he's back to 100%, you know, full strength, then I guess I'm fine with that. Um, it seemed to work out with us yesterday, and I certainly don't want to put him in and do what we did against Baylor and just target him four times right off the bat and get him hurt. So um, if we're going to kind of slowly introduce him back until he's 100%, I think that's smart if it works that way. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I know that uh, you can't coach like this because – you can't present to a locker room saying that you're basically you oh excuse me that you're forfeiting a game or not forfeiting but not putting your best foot forward but i would almost just say hey first oklahoma definitely not playing the first half and don't even think about bringing him in, in the second unless it's a close game um it's a very uh still a long season, some important games in front of us. Uh, I don't want to risk long-term injury in that game on him. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, I, I Odds odds tell us basically we're, we're not going to win that game. It's probably not going to be close. So risking our best offensive weapon is probably not a great idea. But you're right. You can't coach that way. You can't really approach anything that way and unless you – if you do, you got to keep it kind of in the back of your head. Definitely. Uh, one guy who finally kind of had a breakout game, especially after as much as Skyler talked him up in the offseason, Viking Gill, three catches, 45 yards, long of 22, got a touchdown. Uh, with Phillip Brooks out of the game, that kind of led to Viking Gill getting some of those targets. What did you make of his performance? He played well. He was tough. Um, had a great Really, really great uh, touchdown catch. That was an awesome play design that I really enjoyed watching. Um, but, get, yeah, that's what we need. I mean, people have to step up. Um, it's as simple as that. One guy goes down, next guy comes up, and it's impressive to see because, yeah, he was hyped up quite a bit in the beginning of the year, and um, I was certainly expecting to see a little bit more out of him. But, you know, he stepped up when we needed him, and I hope that he can continue to trend to stay on this trend. Definitely. Uh, Dalton shown two catches, 35 yards, long of 25, no drops, solid game from him. Nick Lenners, I think I heard this right in postgame radio. Yes, you're right. The first touch, touchdown catch by a tight end since 2014, Zach Trujillo, I think, or Trujillo, Trujillo, whatever his last name is. I think that was the last touchdown catch by a tight end, so he finally – uh, gets the pay dirt, two catches, 34 yards, one touchdown, uh, had a drop, and that was one of those plays where Skyler, you know, threw the ball well enough that it should have been caught, but, again, it was just a touch behind him. Yeah, um, not a great pass so there. Again, I'll, give that to, I'll give that to him. Yeah, uh, so we are targeting him. He finally got that touchdown. Uh, a, what are your thoughts? How insane is that that you go five years without a tight end? touchdown pass and then second something that really stood out to me all of those guys we've already talked about had at least one catch for over 20 yards again none of these are like 50 yard plays that you see in the big 12 where you hit the home run but the fact that the ball was evenly distributed and all those guys had at least one play for over 20 yards what do you make from that distribution 
Um, it's crazy. It just shows how we lack, we really lack that explosiveness. But um, it is insane that we had not had a a tight end touchdown catch for five full years. And to be fair, we did Blaze Gammon did drop a wide open touchdown pass last year against Texas right before the half that should have well, been a touchdown. But and Leonard's like destroyed his leg. Yeah, yeah. Trying to score, but hell, I mean, uh, five no. fully five years is crazy. It seems like we could have, you know, got one before that. But I guess we used we used the shit out of our fullback, so I don't know. But well, and it was basically a second tackle or a third tackle. Yeah, pretty much. But um, it's crazy. I'm I'm excited. I I love I love a good tight end, and I, it's always bothered me that we have underutilized that position. So. I'm excited. That was a great play, too. Definitely. Uh, Sebastian Taylor, we talked about it, one catch for 10 yards. Uh, you always keep thinking, hey, maybe uh, he's going to start stepping up. Maybe, you know, he makes a play. Maybe that will be the game that gets him going. He has the body. Uh, you got to think that maybe one day it all clicks and he becomes, you know, the number one wide receiver we desire because it looks like the intangibles are there. You just can't put it all together. Well, It'll be hopefully it'll be his time soon or his turn to have one of those breakout games because it seems like everybody has. Philip Brooks had a big game. Dalton Schoen had his big game, and now Viking Gill had his breakout game. So now it's just time for Jabasson Taylor. Well, hopefully it comes soon. Uh, Chris Heron and Joshua Youngblood both played. Youngblood had I think you know ten or fifteen snaps. I think it was in double digits. Chris Heron, right under double digits. Neither one of them caught a pass. I don't think either one of them were targeted. They both took jet sweeps, both for either a negative one or a no gain. Um, are you concerned at all that the two freshmen can't get open when they're getting opportunities on the field, or are you just encouraged that they're out there playing snaps? Uh, not quite as concerned about Chris Heron. It's pretty early days for him. He's really not seen much yet. Um, it does seem like Youngblood has not been able to get open basically the entire year. Um, I'd like to utilize him a little bit more on jet sweeps. Um, but, you know, Youngblood, I I have a lot of faith in him. I think he's he's shown that he is at – like he's going to be able to compete at this level and probably at a high level. So I feel pretty good about Youngblood. Heron, I think he's – man, he got absolutely destroyed on his jet sweep. He looks like he needs to beef up a bit. Yeah, I think I think he does need to beef up. Uh, it, it is. I'm a little concerned about Youngblood. Just not. I mean, he's only caught like yeah. one or two passes, um, and the jet sweep. Just I think he's gotten three jet sweeps. Only one time it's really gone for really positive yardage. Um, I, I want to keep trying to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Um, he did okay in the return game. We'll touch on that in a little bit, but I, I'd like to see them. Uh, try to get his athletic ability to, you know, make more plays. But uh, if, if he can't figure it out this year, there's still a lot of time for him. It's just uh, maybe we put too much hype and pressure and hope into him. Uh, but it's just not it's just not living up to it. I think he'll get there um, eventually. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a little disappointing. Yep, and the – Yep, we'll, we'll line it up with this, and I thought this was concerning. A handful of times, including on some third downs, Sammy Wheeler was lining up as, you know, the outside wide receiver 
uh, on some big plays, like I said, including some third downs. He's a recently converted quarterback to tight end, and he was having to play the outside wide receiver on big plays. Um, I mean, just I mean that just proves where the wide receiver room is in the depth. Um, and that's not to be a massive knock on Sammy Wheeler. I mean, he's made one of the plays of the season that catch it versus Oklahoma man. State. But man, it's oh, well, I come there. Um, just, just not a fun thing to see a converted quarterback turn tight end having to be in those positions. No, it's not. But that's the reality, man. We knew that going into this year, and we all, we always, it's like we forget. Uh, we always have this at least I do, have this new season romanticism and have the expectations that we can, that these guys are going to be so good. But the reality is we knew that this was not a very deep team um, and we are having to live with that. But we're four and two. And yesterday, at least, it seemed like we did a good job utilizing the resources that we had. Yep, I agree with you. Um Anything else to touch on the offense before we move into the defense? I don't have anything else, but I would, Scott, like to talk to you about our defensive sponsor. Can I do that? Yeah, you go for it. All right. I would like to tell you about KCDPC, the Kansas City Direct Primary Care. Um, It's a primary care clinic that does not accept insurance but rather charges a flat monthly membership membership fee. They do that to keep the costs low for the patient by cutting out the middleman. For most patients, that fee is about 65 bucks a month, but there are other options, including a family family plan. The monthly fee includes unlimited visits with no copay and access to deeply discounted labs, imaging, and medications. Yearly labs are included for no extra cost, which is, like, insane. Uh, otherwise, most basic labs cost around 10 bucks each. Most x-rays cost 50 bucks, and medications are up to 90% off of retail. I mean, that's crazy, especially from, you know, the new job that I have, knowing all the shit about insurance and copays and all this, how expensive all this stuff is. This is an insane deal. I think people absolutely should be checking this out. But the best... Anyone in Kansas City who hasn't checked them out really needs to do the diligence. Check out their website. Going to be in the description of this episode. Uh, just check them out. Give them, give them five minutes because it really is an amazing No, game. it's crazy. I mean, you'll spend hundreds of dollars or on basic labs anywhere else. Um, the best part about the deal is the availability and the access. Visits are available same day or next day, and they range from about half hour to an hour long, not some quick five minutes, um, you know, in and out thing. Patients get the physician's email and can contact them 24/7 if needed, which is also an amazing perk. Um, it's really, really difficult these days to get a hold of, you know, your actual doctor um, in a timely manner, especially, and it's also difficult to to get, you know, appointments in a timely manner. Sometimes it can take up to a month. Um, and that's just not very realistic, Scott. Um, be sure to visit Dr. Short, who is a board-certified family med uh, physician, and he's a cat, man. He's a wild cat. Uh, we know him. We love him. Go give him and Casey DPC, DPC a visit today because we all want to see Coach Kleiman and Weber coach for the next 50 seasons. Let Kansas City Direct Primary Care help you get there. Check out the website, KansasCityDirectPrimaryCare.com. Boom. Boom. Let's do it. Uh, we'll talk general defensive talk before we talk about the uh, 
positions. Uh, there are many moments of bad tackling in the third quarter. Uh, sadly, that's kind of become a hallmark of the last few seasons. Um, it's not just a, you know, Hazleton defense thing. That's something we've been struggling for, you know, the last, I don't know, three, four years at least. Uh, Duggan came into this game with only 29 <laughs> yards rushing. Then on that one drive, we made him look like Michael fucking That Vick. was terrible. Uh, it was didn't force any turnovers, <laughs> uh, but they made the big stops when needed. Uh, and then for the most part, they really were nails in that fourth quarter on both drives. So my question to you just as a whole, before we talk about the defense as a whole at a macro level, what were your thoughts on their performance yesterday? It felt like they played, you know, pretty well. I mean, it was kind of like a, a K-State defense that we've gotten used to, kind of the bend but don't break defense. They make the plays um, when, they're, when their backs are against the wall and they need to. Um, the tackling, good God, that was a mess, particularly that one play. Um, Wayne Jones sticks out to me on that one. I know, I guess A.J. Parker got shamed pretty bad, but Wayne Jones just – went for a went for a hit stick and just bounced right off of him at midfield and it's just like guys just wrap up it's so easy tackling is easy just tackle low and wrap up i don't get it but i guess that's why i'm not playing at that level i would have gotten absolutely run over so i won't talk too much shit but on a macro level i thought we did what we needed to do obviously and we held them to 17 points which is good in this league especially you know they were starting to run tempo and we had a little bit of trouble keeping up with them at one point, but we seemed to adjust after that one drive also where they just ran it down our throats. Um, so credit to Hazleton for making the adjustments that he needed to, and we made it happen. Yeah, at, at a macro level, I do want to say something I appreciate about this team is they truly do swarm. Um, I don't think there's too many times, and, you know, it – at any level of, of football, eventually there's going to be times where you just get beat. And you know what? Shit happens. It happens. But very rarely have I seen, you know, us just completely nowhere around, nowhere to make the plays. A lot of the time, there's more than just one guy there, which then brings me to my next point, which just kind of makes the tackling issues even that more maddening because usually you have more than one guy there. Um, I'm hoping it'll get to that point. Um, but I do think it is comforting and encouraging to see the way they swarm and them at least being in the right places seemingly at the right time. Yeah, they do swarm, and they have they do have, like, they seem to have an attitude about them, a chip on their shoulder, which I do like. But uh, let's talk about that, that D-line, who I thought played fairly well. Uh, Reggie Walker might have had, in my opinion, the best game of his season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think this was his best game. I think he ended up with five tackles, uh, you know, had half tackle of a loss. I think he was in the backfield quite a bit this game, and I was happy to see it because Reggie Walker's a good dude, and I think that he was a prisoner of his own early success, uh, and I think he's poised to hopefully have a big second half of his senior year. I agree. Jordan Mitty, four tackles, half tackle for loss. Wyatt Hubert, four tackles, one sack and a tackle for loss. Massive big, big sack. sack. And then Kyle Ball, three tackles, one tackle for loss, and one one penalty early with a hands to the face. That was kind of costly. 
Yes, it was. Uh, the interior guys traded Sean. Joe Davies both had two tackles uh, apiece. Again, we, we touch on the defensive line seems to be capable of getting to the quarterback, but they're having troubles bringing him down. Um, I would rather have that issue than have an issue of not being able to uh, get to the quarterback at all. And again, when the when they needed it most, they made it happen. White Hubert on that fourth down, uh, he just attacked the quarterback, got there, got the sack, which ended up icing the game. Uh, so it seems like when they're needed most, they've been able to step up and make plays. And a couple of those third and shorts, uh, they really had a stout, you know, backbone to them. Uh, I, I do have some concerns on their uh, assignment soundability when it comes to the read option. And again, there's going to be a handful of times, basically the next three, four games, we're going to see a lot of RPO and a lot of read option stuff. So they really need to be drilling your assignments home because I think there were a few times that they just got burnt by not being assignment sound on those read options. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. I think it's better, obviously, to be flushing the quarterback out of the pocket than you know not getting to him at all, which was a problem for us early. Um, but the problem is, after that, uh, Duggan just went wild. We would flush him out of the pocket, and then we would have absolutely no containment on him, which makes me very nervous for next week. But um, what do you think, from your opinion, what do you think the best thing um, the D-line did yesterday? I, th- I honestly think it was when it was on third and then later on fourth down that they were able to make the plays, whether it be the sack, whether it be stay at home, whether it be get pressure and forcing them to make a bad throw. I really think it was their third down kind of turning it up to another notch on that down. Um, I mean, because what did I say? They went four or 13 on third down. Um I'll take that every week. Yeah. So I think they just turned it up to the next level on on. And they were pretty consistent in you know collapsing that pocket uh, throughout the game yesterday. So that was nice to see. What do you think the worst thing they did? For me, it was I felt like our our tackles got displaced quite a bit in the run game, which was not good. And they were getting you know not bringing down the running back on that first contact, which was very costly. Yeah, I think it has to be not or allowing yards after contact. We need to get to a point where uh, they're either wrapping up or if they really think, and this is for the entire defense, if they think they're really as hard hitters as they are, uh, you, you better knock them down because you look like fools bouncing off of them like ping pong balls. Honestly, with the defensive line, it's almost like, hey, work on your grip exercises because I feel like, you know, half, half the ball game, the defensive lineman's there just kind of running by and he tries to get a grip and it just reaches out of his fingers. So um, I, I think that's something that can be fixed, but that definitely is the most concerning thing for me. Yeah, I would agree. Let's talk about the linebackers, Daquan Patton. He got hurt early in the first half, but he returned and seemed to be completely fine. He had two tackles. Elijah Sullivan, um, there were some rumors of him possibly, you know, being out of this game, but he was suited up, ready to go. He came Came through with five tackles, and the young buck, Daniel Green, caused havoc all game. Five tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, and one pass defended. And um, I was reading something from Fan. I think Daniel Green is our leading havoc causer the entire season. Yeah, I, I, I'm i pumped for this guy. Um, 
again, it's like the legend of Daniel Green. He committed. He was a four-star. He didn't make it to campus, and then he made it there at the semester, so he took a gray shirt. And then last year you're thinking, all right, you know, uh, he, he's been able to go through a spring practice. He's going to contribute. No, I don't even know if he played at all. So then he red shirts, and then uh, you get in this year, and honestly, if J-Ball wasn't hurt, I bet you we wouldn't be seeing him at all. Um, and, and you don't want Justin Hughes to be hurt. Um, he is an emotional leader. You see him hyping up the crowd and the team pregame and when they come out of the tunnel. So it's not a good thing he got hurt. But being letting D- Daniel Green have the runway to play as much as he has, that's going to basically do wonders for his development. The fact that we have three more years of him, he's going to be an old guy when he's a senior. I mean, he's going to be old for a college player. But he's going to have that maturity. His body is going to be just rock solid. I think <laughs> he has the potential to be a first-team All-Big 12 guy before he leaves. And I'm excited because when he – like him and Jonathan Alexander, and we might touch on him later, when they arrive, they are so violent. I mean, it's just kind of like Jackson Dean. When he hits a dude, he is trying to break their backs, and I love that about Daniel. I do too. Now I'm looking at this uh, graphic here, and Daniel Green does top the list at seven and a half havoc plays, um, six games plays. He's I, I, this can't be just yesterday. Three and a half tackles for loss, maybe it is, but it's got him clocked at three no, pass I, I breakups, think... so no, that can't be right. And he's got one force yeah, no, one force fumble, season. so he leads our havoc chart, which is really impressive. I mean, that's what you want to see from a young linebacker. So I'm very, very excited to see how he develops. What do you hope to see from this group? You know, we got six games to go, and all of them are very important. What do you hope to see from this linebacking crew to finish out the year? Honestly, if they can get to a point where they're wrapping up when they get there, uh, that could do wonders. Again, Daniel Green did this. Daquan Patton did this. Elijah Sullivan did this. They would be running, going full speed, they'll leave their feet, uh, which, okay, you don't want them to do it, but that's forgivable as long as when you get there, you're bringing both arms through the tackle and wrapping up. But it feels like they'd either, you know, be going for that hit stick or they'd be trying to bring them down with just one arm. And uh, when you have, like, a 220-pound running back or if someone is putting a juke on you, that's not going to do it. So I just want to see them – improve on their wrapping up and finishing tackles because if they can get to that point um it legitimately becomes a plus and an asset you know position group and i think they're pretty close to being there but they're right on the cusp of being just a really good group i agree i just want to see some more consistency from them and i think yeah you're right that's the number one problem is just missed tackles Top to bottom, probably on this defense. So if we can improve in that respect, it would go a long way. Let's talk about yeah, I, sorry. Talk about the secondary. No, um, pretty good game from the secondary. Held TCU to 18 of 31 for passing for 138 yards. Um, it felt to me like TCU had a lot of drops throughout the day. Is that just me? But I, I, I mean, top to bottom, I thought our coverage was pretty decent. Yeah, I think they had a lot of drops, but I think a lot of that was caused by them hearing footsteps. I feel like almost every time if there was a drop, you could see a safety or one of the corners coming up, and they're right in their ear hole getting ready to lay a hit. So I do think that there's something to be said of, hey, yeah, while you can't break up every pass, 
you want to make sure that the wide receiver knows that he doesn't have time to brace himself. He better just, you know, catch the ball and accept the hit that's going to come. I agree. Um, a few times I think we got we got a little lucky too because uh, Duggan overthrew his target, but luckily that went that that kind of went both ways yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> redshirt freshman Wayne Jones had 11 tackles. Um, what did you see from Wayne Jones that you liked yesterday? What, Wayne, and he was taking a little bit of heat on the message boards, and again, definitely not perfect, but the guy is a redshirt freshman. He is playing in like his sixth game in his career, and he seems to most of the time be in the right spot. Again, I think he has, uh, you know, I, I think it's an epidemic when it comes to football, uh, just based on all the restrictions put in place from high school all the way up on how much you can hit, how much are full speed practices, full padded practices, etc. I think there's legitimately a gap in knowledge and just reps of going for a true tackle. You can see it with him. He wants to do the hit stick. He's, uh, you know, kind of shooting through, trying to take him down with his shoulder pads and stuff, shooting his arms through. Um, and luckily, he is a redshirt freshman. Uh, so he's going to get the opportunities and the reps to get through that. you got to hope that by the end of the season that's not as much of an epidemic uh, because you can see the talent. You can see him getting to the ball. I mean, he's by the end of the year, I think he's going to end up leading the team in tackles. Um, he has the talent. He just needs to break some of those bad habits and go to that next level because I think he can be, uh, you know, uh, borderline second team all big 12 type player and yeah he's just a freshman so we're going to see him develop um, and just get better and better which is going to be exciting uh, Denzel Goolsby had six tackles yesterday I thought he had a pretty solid game John Durham had four tackles and he had to play the nickel when J-Mac got hurt in the first half um, senior AJ Parker had four tackles um, overall he was okay in coverage but he got absolutely embarrassed by by Duggan on that run by stiff arm yeah, that was bad. I think he got uh, clowned on Barstool Sports. Um, he's not going to be able to live that down. Um, it is what it is. I think the only time he really got targeted when it came to coverage was that throw up the sideline where, you know, he just, you know, if he was an inch taller, he maybe intercepts it. But uh, the TC receiver is just able to go up over top of him and get it. I mean, it was a perfect, it was perfect coverage. I mean, he couldn't have done anything else. Uh, but outside of that, I really think and I don't know if it is uh, just quarterbacks trying to go against our less experienced secondary but I feel like whoever he's guarding isn't getting targeted hardly at all uh, and I think that's probably because he does an above average job in cover. Yeah he's a good cover guy um, he's usually in very good position and um, the times that I've seen him get beat like um, against let's who Oklahoma State or Baylor when it was like who the hell is Oklahoma State's best wide receiver I can't it's it's not coming to me but it was just that was basically just a jump ball but he could not have been in better position and that's just what those guys do Mims and um what is his name Scott you know it um oh, I'm oh this is driving me insane whatever but it was like uh AJ Parker was in great position but those guys just basically out athleted him and there's not much you can ask not much more you can ask from there. Here's a here's a storyline. Walter Neal, senior senior Walter Neal, uh, had a a big pass breakup yesterday. But Kevi Wallace, 
Yes, Tylen, Tylen, Tylen Walls. Walls. Thank you. That was driving me nuts. Um, Walter Neal, big pass breakup yesterday on a third down early in the game, but is his spot kind of being phased out a little bit by Mr. Kevion McGee? According to Pro Football Focus, Kevion has played 57 snaps compared to Walter Neal's 21. Are you happy with that? Yes, I am happy. Um, again, I was when he got that pass breakup, I made a note in my head. I was like, all right, you know, I want to make sure I give him his dues on the podcast the next day because I have been very hard on Walter Neal. And I and I full, fully expected, like I, when I was writing out this outline before I went over to KSO to look at the snap counts, I was going to say, all right, where do you stand on the Keevion McGee uh, versus Walter Neal thing? I, I was thinking, all right, it was probably, you know, close or maybe even Walter Neal had more snaps. I was surprised at that uh, distribution, and I have no reason to believe Pro Football Focus had it wrong, but I was just surprised that it was that different. But I, I, I 100% am all on board with that because I think McGee is a better athlete. I think he's in better position. I think just physically he's, you know, better suited to take on some of those wide receivers on the outside versus Big 12 offense. I think McGee is better too. Yesterday he was he was bothering me a little bit. Kept giving a lot of cushion, and I don't know if that's his decision or what, but um, a couple of plays, one of them, I mean, he could have had a, a interception. Like easy in the second half. Oh, I know exactly what. It, it looked like he was unsure of whether he should step yeah, up and go after. That him was, not. and I think that part of that was kind of caused by the cushion that he gave, which already set him at a disadvantage. But there was another one early on in the game where he was he started in press coverage and then he backed off to about seven or eight yards back, and uh, the quarterback saw that, targeted him, a quick you know five and out route, and the guy was wide open. And Goolsby luckily was on his side and kind of bailed him out and saw it and closed that gap and hit the guy basically right when the ball hit him, causing a drop. But uh, Kevion gave him way too much space. I don't know why. Maybe he's being coached to do that. But and that could be, you know, he could have been coached to be giving him space with, you know, the safety help on that side. But it just seemed a little unnecessary. Yeah, there were a lot of times where the, whether it was like Wayne Jones showing blitz or McGee or Durham showing press coverage that, you know, early in the uh, cadence they would be showing that and then they would sprint backwards. So I think that that was something that they were trying to show different looks, uh, trying to maybe get them to audible the one thing and then give them yeah. a different look. So I think that was coach. I don't think he was doing that on <laughs> his own uh, accord, but I, I do want to see him take on that starting role and see, uh, you know, Walter Neal turn into more of a reserve uh, and just have him evolve into that role. So I was happy to see that. I agree. Um, Jaron McPherson was injured yesterday. We're still not 100% sure, you know, what happened there. Um, I really like J-Mac. Um, I hope that it's nothing too serious, but um, he's one. he's been a pleasant surprise for me this year. I agree with you. I, I want to get him back on the field as quickly as we can. Um, I, I I think he has been a plus, and I think he is the best nickelback. My question for you, though, is if it is a long-term thing, do you want to see Jonathan Durham continue to take those snaps, or do you want to see us maybe take more of a risk with a better athlete and a guy who's like a real ball hawk and Jonathan Alexander and have him play in that spot? Because He's not playing a ton at safety 
or at nickelback. I think we have a question about him later, but I think he had around 18 snaps on defense, not accounting for special teams yesterday. Do you want to see him do that, or do you feel safer playing it a little closer? Oh, to man. I think Durham gets a bad rap. Um, he's not a world beater, obviously, but he's a pretty solid football player, and you know he's done good things for us. But I think personally, I would prefer Alexander. Um, I think he's got a little more of an edge athletically, and he's a he's a bigger, more physical player. So um, I think I personally would prefer Alexander. What about you? Yeah, I, I do too. I think I always err on the side of uh, guys who can make big plays and they're more athletic, but. Uh, Durham, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong no. yesterday. So I, I guess if he continues to do that, uh, just get Alexander in where you can and see if he can make some yeah, big plays. Yeah, speaking of Jonathan Alexander making big plays, he blocked a punt yesterday and he recovered it. How much fun was that? We haven't seen a blocked punt for a long time. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a long time. and It was electric. They went after it that first time, almost got it. Um, got it on that second one. I think they kept really trying to go after it the rest of the game. They must have seen something in how TCU protects the punts that made them think that uh, they could get there. Uh, but, yeah, he, he got the punt, block punt. Uh, he recovered it. I wish he could have gotten in the end zone because I feel like he would get an excessive celebration. <laughs> I feel like he'd, you know, punt the ball into the end zone or do something crazy. And I, I, I would take the 15 yards I want to see that guy get into the end zone, but it was it was the, probably the most electric moment. Yeah, I game. wish we could have scoop and scored it. That would have been great. We need a, we need a, we need one of those uh, scoop and scores. It's been a, it's been a minute. Kicking Ty Zintner, uh, he's been signaled as one of those dudes that's probably going to redshirt this season, allowing for his senior season to be you know his first year as the primary kicker. Uh, today was yesterday was his third game of the season, I believe, and he did well. You know, he's pretty, he's very good on kickoffs. He's got a much bigger leg than uh, Lynch does, but top to bottom, I think kicking was really good yesterday. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Lynch three for three on extra points, uh, hit a twenty-one yard field goal. Um, with Zentner, I I like that we're going to try to redshirt him. Um, he's right now a junior, so is Lynch. So if you can save his senior season for the first year post-Lynch, um, I'll be happy with that. So here's my question to you. He can only kick off in one more game. Do you have a game that you want him to kick off in, or would you save him just in case Lynch gets hurt and you need him to be your primary kicker and still have that one game before he burns the red shirt? I might save him just in case. Um you know, if Lynch gets hurt, we're going to absolutely need him. So I don't think we have any other reliable kickers on, on the roster that I can think of. So I think we have like McClellan or something like that. I still think have McClellan. <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't, I, I don't I mean, know. If that's I the case, I would have McClellan kickers. on kickoffs. Well, but I was more talking about if Lynch got hurt, like say, and you need him versus Iowa State. Uh, to, to not just kick off, but yeah, also kick, kick uh, field goals. But, yeah, um, we'll, we'll move into the return game real quick. Phillip Brooks was out. You saw Youngblood on returns, uh, fair catches on punts. Uh, he had one return that was negative two yards, nothing too crazy. He did have a decent run out on kickoff return. Uh, honestly, almost broke it. It was 38 yards, and if he could have gotten past the dude who dove and got his leg, 
uh, he might have taken to the house. Here's my question for you. If Phillip Brooks comes back this season and is healthy, you want to see him take over on returns, or do you want to roll the dice and say, hey, Youngblood has the ability to be an electric playmaker. Let's just have him return. I kind of like Youngblood back there. Um, honestly, I, I I don't really have much of a preference. I feel like they're both kind of similar because Phillip Brooks has shown how he he has potential to be a very electric ter- returner as well, super slippery. But I think it might be good for Youngblood to get those touches. So I might stick with Youngblood for now. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, let's get into the real star, uh, David Ankle. Amazing. He averaged 49 yards a punt, and his shortest punt was, I mean, he put it, like, inside the 10, which kind of hurt his average. He had three go 60 yards or longer, including 62 twice, put three inside the 20. Is there a better punter in the conference, no. in college football, or even He's the world? He's the best punter in the country. Who else is punting better than him? He's... I mean, he's got a ridiculous leg, and he's got great touch. So, I mean, we're very lucky to have him. Yeah, I love it. And then also, how about his celebrations? I mean, the notoriety is the high, high high five where he makes Lynch do it. But yesterday he was shining his shoe. I love it. I'm David Angle's biggest fan. Yeah, he's great. He's what everybody loves about, you know, college athletes and college football. He makes it fun, and he's a punter. I agree with you. Um, we'll, we'll keep looking out for him, and we'll be campaigning for him to win all the awards. Now it's time to grade our keys to V. Um, you guys know him. You love him. Grade him at home. Tweet into us what you would give all the keys to V. The first one, yours, Grant, was reestablish the run. What are you grading? I'm that? giving it a D. Um, like you said, we averaged, at when it was all said and done, 2.8 yards per carry for the game, which was somewhat skewed, obviously, by the end of the game, but... At one point, you know, before Skyler's big run, we were below two point. We were below two yards per carry. I think it was one point six at one point, which is just god awful. Um, not a failing grade for me because the quarterback run game kind of saved our bacon. So, not a failure, but not good. Oh, I, it's a failure for me. It is an average. all right. Fair enough. Um, not even close. Uh, the next one. This one was mine. Uh, Scored touchdowns when you get into the red zone. Uh, We haven't been able to get big plays in conference, uh, so when you get to the red zone, you need to punch it in. What would you give that as a grade? you got to grade yours first, bro. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, it's truly math. It was three for four, so that's 75%, so I'm going to round up and give it a C. I said that because I did not know. I knew you were going to have the answer (laughs) because I was like, (laughs) I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I'll let him do it. So there you go, a C, 75 Yep, yours was win the position battle. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be the best grade yeah, on the I'm giving board. it an A. Um, this really was a field position battle game, and ankle made such a difference. And we didn't really have any huge, you know, costly errors that put our defense in bad position. So, got to give it a solid A. Yeah, I'm giving it an A minus. Uh, we did start the one drive inside the five. Uh, granted, that turned into a touchdown, so it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to give it an A-. Minus. And the final one for me was don't give up big plays. TCU, not a great offense, but they, and they have a true freshman quarterback who's been inconsistent. If we can prevent the big plays, we're going to have a shot to win. Um, I'm going to give it a B. Uh, you did give up two kind of back-to-back plays, where it was a third-down scramble. Duggan, you know, eluded a sack, got a big run, and then, of course, the uh, – 
Sports Center top ten play where he scored the touchdown. Uh, so I'm going to give it a B. Um, honestly, I probably should. I don't know. I feel like that's too easy of a grade, but I'm sticking with it. I'm going to give him a B minus because we are embarrassed on a national scale by that run. But but we did a, a good job, I think, uh, containing the big plays yesterday. Yep. I agree with you. All right, we're going to quickly get into our Ask Bosco questions. They're presented by MyBookie.ag. Remember, promo code CHAIR, that's C-H-A-I-R, for 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Itomazic17, sorry for butchering that. Uh, Should we see more Jonathan Alexander on the field? Don't know his snap counts. It was 17 on defense, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, but he seems to be a ball hawk and in the right spot at the right time. We kind of touched on this. I would like to see him get on the field a little bit more, um, but I trust Hazleton and Joe Klanderman and how they see uh, the defensive rotations. So I'm going to trust them, but selfishly I would like to see him do more because I think he's just, you know, he's an exciting ball player. What say you? Or are you gone? Fuck. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> I do agree with you. Um, and especially if it's going to be him or Durham, then yes, I would I would prefer Jonathan Alexander. All right. Derek Licky asks, after our game, the KU game, predict the KU-KC score. That'll come in our KU game uh, prediction. I went on Twitter and said I predicted that come <laughs> – Kickoff, they're going to be favored. Um, I think there's a re- very real chance they beat Texas Tech this week, and I think uh, there's a chance we could lose to Oklahoma by 30. I think that the spread's going to be close. I think when it comes to game time, I think money's going to be coming on KU. Um, it's going to be close, folks. It's not. It's going to be. I scary. saw a lot it's of folks in my mentions. It's going to be scary. You guys, are going to, we're going to have to buckle up for that one. Um, but you'll have to tune in for our score predictions in a couple weeks. The Dubois theorem, shout out to our guy Will. He says, hindsight is twenty twenty. but would you have rather have the punt with a chance of return or with our stud punter or run around into the end zone and possibly take a fake or a safety not uh, and then a non-returnable punt? Um, I don't. Honestly, I don't know what the fuck I, I, is asking. No, basically, should we – it's a punting on that final play. Should ankle uh, ran to the end zone, danced around, et cetera. Um, maybe that might have been safe, but here's the thing. If we were maybe farther back, I would have said yes, but he would have had quite a bit to run yeah. back there. And I don't – I mean, he's a stud. I have no idea how fast he could run. They were going all out to go after him. Caught him. So <laughs> I don't – yeah, I don't want a situation where he could have – gotten caught and he was having to try to throw the ball in the end zone and all sorts of wacky stuff i think they played it right here's my question to you were you a fan of them of skyler taking the ball running around trying to run time or would you have just preferred to you know do a running back yeah. play uh and try to pick up the first down i would have just preferred running running up the middle with gilbert um uh, try to get the first down and just end See, the game not me with his fumbling issues i actually was really happy with that decision Fair enough. So, just me. Like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. It worked out. Um, and then C. Ker- C. J. Kirsch asks, "What's the most promising thing you saw from the game? As you feeling the most optimistic? It's that Skyler finds a way to win. If you can get him the ball in the fourth quarter, 
I I have confidence that he's going to find a way to win the game. For me, I think it was the way that Mexingham called the game. I thought he played a I thought he called a great game, and uh, most things that didn't work were self inflicted. Um, but it gave me a little more confidence in in him on the staff. Um, I was a little bit worried after Baylor and Oklahoma State. We seemed very one dimensional and almost like we were panicking a little bit when option A was not working. So I thought he called a great game top to bottom, so that gave me a lot of confidence going forward. Definitely. And then we're going to wrap it up with our game balls. This week it's presented by the good chef, Chef Andre Napier, because he's a stud, and I wanted to meet up with him on Saturday, but due to a handful of different issues, I couldn't get to the game until right before kickoff, had some issues leaving the game. Uh, Chef, you're a great bonehead. I'm sorry for not being able to hang out with you uh, the next time you're in town. We 100% will make it happen, but you get a special shout-out before the game balls. Uh, For those of you who are new, we do an offensive and a defensive game ball apiece. You can substitute special teams in there or get creative. The only rule is no one can receive two game balls. We then do a swagger sticker, basically an award for showing some swagger or anything else we feel deserves an award. Um, we go back and forth. Grant, you're going to go first. Give us your first My game first ball. game ball goes to Coach Messingham. Again, thought he called a very good game, put us in good positions, distributed the ball well, um, was not too one-dimensional, and he gets my game ball. All right, my game ball is going to Skyler motherfucking Thompson. He finds a way to win. Uh, he, he, he put his body on the line. He made the 61-yard run. Um, he didn't play perfect. He hasn't had a perfect season, but damn it, he wasn't going to let us lose that game on that final drive. So Skyler Thompson gets my first game ball. Grant, who's getting your second game My ball? second game ball is going to Daniel Green. Um, caused havoc all day, just a, true for, or just a redshirt freshman. Very pumped about Daniel Green. My game ball, second game ball, is going to Mr. Ankle. I, I mean, just what he was able to do, punting the ball, uh, the the guy truly is elite at his craft, and him being able to pin them back may have been the difference in winning and losing the game. When you get out gained by a hundred yards, when they then also pick up fifty yards net when it comes to penalties, being able to flip the field anytime we couldn't move the ball was massive. So he's getting my game ball. Grant, who's getting your swagger? My sticker? swagger sticker is going to Skyler, of course. Another game-winning drive, 95 yards with a huge 61-yard design run on third down with our backs against our own end zone. Um, Just a huge, huge ballsy game from him. Um, I love him. He's great. Yep, and mine is going to go to Jonathan Alexander again. I think he's gotten my swagger sticker a handful of times this year. Dude just is the definition of swag he also got that massive pump block which set up the first touchdown again another you know maybe you could call game winning type play uh, just a great guy i hope we see more big plays out of him but that's gonna speaking end this of episode. swag speaking of swag daniel green i know he already got my game ball but did you see what he was wearing he had four he had four armbands on each each arm he had a, his left arm i mean i don't know if this is right but his left arm had all had four white armbands. His right hand had four purple armbands. He was all stacked. I'm, oh, I missed that. Uh, if I would have known that, I might have given it to him. He gets an honorary swag sticker. Um, 
he gets the People's Choice swag sticker as well. So if you're keeping track at home, he gets an honorary one because that is swagger. Uh, but it feels good to get back in the win column. Um, that's all I got. We will be back to you guys midweek with a Oklahoma preview, and I'm hoping on Friday for Free Play Friday we're going to get some sort of either basketball preview or some sort of basketball prediction show. It'll be something that is basketball-centric on Friday because the first exhibition game, I think, versus the Emporia State Hornets tips on Friday in Bramlage, uh, and the banner will go up for that Big 12 championship last year. Uh, So I think that's going to be the schedule this week. Uh, Stay tuned. We love you guys. Grant, uh, say whatever you want, and then take us out. Um, I don't have much to say. Let's just keep the faith. We're 4-2, baby. Everybody, get your ass to the game for Oklahoma. Should be a fun one. Uh, Meet me at the Cathead. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul, seal your doom tonight. screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize, but I don't think we should. A spooky scary skeleton shouts startling shrilly screams. They'll sneak from their sarcophagus and just won't leave you be. Network.